Tim and all those three girls. And then I saw Stephen, and I felt better for you, Tim. I felt better for you. Hebrews chapter number 11 this morning and Genesis chapter number 22. Hebrews chapter number 11 and Genesis chapter number 22. We're continuing our series on believing God no matter what, walking by faith and not by sight. And I trust that the Lord will continue to remind us on a regular basis how important it is just to believe God no matter what. How many of you like taking tests? How many of you like to go back to school and take some tests? You say, boy, I love taking tests. I don't know of anybody that likes to take tests. Uh, tests can be challenging for a number of reasons. Number one, you have to remember what you study, right? And number two, uh, a lot of times a grade for a class can be contingent upon how well you do on the one or two or however many tests that they have. Without a test, though, a teacher does not know what you have learned, nor, quite frankly, do you know what you have learned until you have a test. I had a friend of mine in Bible college, whenever the professor would ask him to pray before an exam, he would always pray this, Lord, help us to do better than we know. Well, you see, <laughs> professor would always shake his head. If you studied, you do well. If you didn't study, you wouldn't do well. Why would you pray, help us to do better than we know? Of course, I was one of those guys that would say amen when he prayed, help us to do better than we know. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 17, the Bible says this concerning Abraham. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 17, by faith, Abraham... When he was tried, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Genesis chapter number 22 and verse number 1, the Bible tells us this, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. Again, God did test Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. God tests Abraham. He tests the faith of Abraham. By the way, we can say we walk by faith. Oh, I walk by faith, believe in God no matter what. And you'll really know if you walk by faith, believe in God no matter what, when God allows the tests to come into your life. God allows tests in our life. Abraham did not pass every test of faith. We know that, but he did pass this one. One commentator said this concerning Abraham. His commitment of faith was so great that he would sacrifice his beloved son if God required it. The greater the faith, the greater the commitment in doing what is not easy to do. It is virtually impossible to find a greater commitment in this matter of faith than the commitment of Abraham. That's what one commentator said concerning Abraham. I want to call this morning's message really a description of the faith of Abraham. And I want the title of the message is really this, wholehearted faith. Wholehearted faith. 
As we look at Abraham's faith, it was a wholehearted faith because Abraham held nothing back. I want to give you some characteristics this morning of wholehearted faith as we look at Genesis chapter number 22. Before we do, let's ask God to meet with us this morning. Lord, we need you. Lord, every one of us has burdens, challenges in life. Lord, you desire for all of us to walk by faith. Lord, I pray that today you would increase our faith as faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I ask that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, I ask that you would glorify yourself. Lord, if any works to be done here, you must do it. So I yield myself to you, and I ask you to work in the few minutes we have here. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to see number one, wholehearted faith goes. Wholehearted faith goes goes. God said to Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to get into the land of Moriah, verse 2 of Genesis chapter 22, and I will tell you a mountain that I want you to sacrifice your son on. The Bible tells us in verse number 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. Abraham didn't waste any time. He rose up early in the morning to do what God had asked him to do. The Bible tells us it was a three-day journey. If you look at verse 3 ends, he went into the place in which God had told him, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. If we notice as we look in the text, he rose up early. He didn't waste any time. And he also was willing... He was willing to go a three-day journey. Now, I think sometimes when we look at the journeys in the Word of God here, we pass over the fact that it might take three days. You know, you can go anywhere in three days on an airplane uh, in 2023. You can go anywhere almost for three, in three days. We get in the comfort of an airplane, and uh, it, depending on what airline you're in, they might just serve you water if you go no frills. If you go a little up, you might get some chips or something like that. It used to be they all gave you something. Um, But the reality is you can ride in a comfortable airplane and get almost anywhere. Abraham didn't have the comforts of the airplanes. He didn't have the comforts that we have today. And yet he was willing, he was willing to go. But I want you to think with me about one more thing as we look at Abraham's going. What did God tell Abraham? God said, Abraham, I want you to go to this mount and I want you to offer your son Isaac. Abraham would travel for three days with the weight of his son Isaac and having to, uh, to, uh, to sacrifice his only son. He would go with that burden. Uh, one of the, the most challenging uh, things when it comes to a funeral service is to know we're headed to this service and in just a few minutes we are going to look into the casket and see the body of a loved one. Imagine for three days what Abraham had to bear as he thought about taking his son uh, Isaac, the heaviness there. Are you willing to go where God wants you to go? You know, we think, yes, uh, uh, we sing the song. Uh, I like the song in our hymn book, hymn number 440, where the songwriter wrote this. It, It may not be on mountain height or over the stormy sea, It may not be on the battle's front, my Lord will have need of me. But if by a still small voice he calls to paths I do not know, 
I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine. I'll go where you want me to go. Oh, we'd like to know exactly how it's going to take place. We like to know where we're going and what we're going to face there. And often God doesn't tell us. God for sure did not tell Abraham. Verse 3 of that hymn, there's surely somewhere a lowly place in earth's harvest field. So why? Where I may labor through life's short day for Jesus the crucified. So trusting my all unto thy care, I know thou lovest me. I'll do thy will with a heart sincere. I'll be what you want me to be. You know the chorus, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Or mountain or plain or sea, I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. It's easy to sing a song in a hymn book on a Sunday morning. And yet sometimes it's a little more difficult, more challenging to say, hey, God wants me to be on outreach. Uh, Today's outreach Sunday, and I'm going to go. Not because I have confidence in me, but I have confidence in thee. And because you have told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to start with Jerusalem, this is my Jerusalem, I'm going to go to outreach on Sunday. Hey, I'm going to be there on Saturday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. God wants me to go. Hey, God might want us to, uh, to talk to our neighbor. We find ourselves standing in line sometimes in a grocery store, and the Spirit of God goes, Psst go over there and give him a track I tell you this it's not the voice of the devil do we go Abraham the next morning got up and said God if this is where you want me to go then this is where I'm going to go wholehearted faith goes I want you to see secondly, as we go back to Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says in verse number 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of. You know what? Let's do this. I just read a few verses. Let's just read this section, all right? Let's read verse 4, and we'll read along until uh, we get through this section. Then on the third day, Genesis 22, 4, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his, unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you, to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. offering." So they went, both of them, together. Now verse 9 and 10 is where I want us to focus on just for a minute. As we look secondly, wholehearted faith gives. The Bible says in verse 9, And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, I want to stop and just say something. This isn't part of this message, but every time I read this passage, I find myself amazed at the submission of Isaac, the son of Abraham. We know Abraham bore Isaac at an old age. At this point, Isaac, maybe 30 years or so, we've got, we've got a young man, Isaac, who's got a lot more, maybe not 30, maybe a little younger than 30, but the reality is I'll show you something from the promise that God gave till now. We'll see that in just a minute. But you've got a young man that's willing to be bound, that's willing to be put on an altar, 
That's some submission for a young person. That's submission right there. I'm sure he could have, to use our term, take his father pretty easily. Anyway, not part of the message. Pretty amazing to me. Verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, the scripture uses these two words, Abraham offered up. It really describes Abraham's worship of God. Now, as we look at what God is asking of Abraham... God is asking Abraham, number one, to give his son, his prized son, that which was the most important to him, his son that was born to him and Sarah at an old age, and to sacrifice him. Obviously, Isaac was a miracle child. We know that as we look back at God working in Sarah's life. But secondly, as we think concerning Isaac, Abraham had made God a promise concerning Isaac, Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was to fulfill, he was the one that was going to fulfill God's promise to Abraham. He would be blessed through Isaac. It's interesting, as we look at this, faith in God results in action. When I say, hey, I believe God, I walk by faith, It's going to result in action. As a matter of fact, turn to James 2. We are all familiar with this. James chapter number 2. We read in James 2, faith, and verse number 17, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so we recognize as we look at genuine faith, as we look at walking by faith, faith is going to produce action. Now, I've said this. Verse 17 of James 2 says this. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. I've said this. As a matter of fact, I said this yesterday at the door when we're witnessing to somebody. Works do not create the relationship with God. We're saved by grace through faith. Works flow from a relationship that already exists. If I said to you, yes, I I love my wife, and boy, I love her, and I never spent time with her, and I never talked to her, and we were never together, you would say to me, Pastor, I question that you really love your wife. You see, faith produces works. There is an action. By the way, I want to just take a minute and chase a little rabbit. I want you to look at James chapter 2 and verse number 21, where the Bible says this. Uh, Paul's justification and James's justification are a little bit different. James 2.21 says this, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? When Paul spoke of justification in the book of Romans, he, de- he spoke of declaring someone righteous. Declaring someone righteous before God. When James speaks of justification, James is speaking of being righteous or being shown to be righteous before God and men. They're two different things. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Genesis 15, 
we'll find ourselves in Genesis 22 in a minute. If you go back to Genesis 15, I find this helpful as we recognize in Genesis chapter number 15, Abraham was justified before God some 30 years earlier when God, and this is where our 30 years comes from, when God gave him the promise. Genesis 15, and God makes him a promise, right? The word of the Lord, verse 1, I am thy shield and great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me? Let's go down to verse number uh, 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Look at verse number 6 now. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. James refers to Genesis chapter 22, which is our text, where he offered up Isaac. His justification before God took place in Genesis 15. His justification before God and man, people recognize Abraham believed God. Look at Abraham walked with God. Abraham is a man of faith because in Genesis chapter 22, I see that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son. Do you get it? You see it. This is important because people will tell you you have to be justified by works, and that is not true. Faith is willing to give. Faith is willing to sacrifice. You know, sometimes when it comes to this matter of sacrifice, this is the ultimate sacrifice. The only child. God says, tie him up and put him on an altar. And Abraham, did Abraham know that God was going to provide a substitute? No. From what we can tell, looking at Hebrews 11, Abraham believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. Abraham believed, from what we can tell, that he was going to kill Isaac and somehow Isaac was going to raise him from the dead. I love, I love what, we, what we read in, uh, in, in verse number 5. Actually, let me hold verse number 5 until I get to the third point. The reality is, what I'm trying to help us to see is, is Abraham was willing to give to the extreme. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, we read a story of David. I alluded to this not long ago. David numbered the people, and uh, God sent a plague. And David had to make reconciliation, and God said, hey, I want you to offer a sacrifice. And David went uh, to this fella uh, by the name of A-R-A-U-N-A-H, all right? Pronounce that ten times fast, and you get a prize. And uh, he says, hey, I need this land. And the guy says, you can have it. And David said this. David said, neither will I burn offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. You see, when it comes to sacrifice, it costs something. Now, I have a gift up here from my wife that I want to present to her in front of you all. And uh, I'll tell you why in just a minute. It is a box of chocolates. You know every woman loves chocolates. And on the front of this chocolate box, it says, you are super. And I know you can't see this, but it looks like uh, probably Brother Talbot. All right, under there, all those muscles. And, and I want to present this to her, and I want to say to her, Honey, I love you, and because I love you, I'm giving you this sacrifice. And all of you are thinking, There you go. 
when we were in Kentucky, Sarah put that in a bag and gave it to you for a late Valentine's gift. And she says, and now you're just dumping it on me. And she's thinking, that costs you nothing, right? Um, sometimes that's how it is in our sacrifice to God. You see, it's easy for us. By the way, you can re-gift as long as the other people don't know about it. <laughs> understand the re-gifting, right? I brought that one. Hers was just like mine, but it had a beautiful flower on the front of it. So I assume that that one was mine and the other one was hers. But the reality is sometimes when it comes to our sacrifice of giving, you know, Pastor, I want you to know that I've had this. And, and again, you got to take this, all right? Don't read into this, all right? Just take it at face value. Don't read into this. Mr. New Pastor, I've got this refrigerator. It's 25 years old, but old Betsy's still kicking, and uh, I got a new one. And uh, the church can probably use this 25-year-old Betsy refrigerator. <laughs> Sometimes our sacrifice for God. You know, we think, oh, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. We'll go across the street and give something to you. Oh, I can't do that. You know, sign up and come. Oh, I can't do that. Church is having, I, I can't do that. Abraham gives us an example of what it really means to walk by faith. His whole heart. God, if this is what you want me to do, you want me to give me that which is the most important possession to me, my son, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. And often we're not willing. We're only willing to go so far. I alluded to this in, in the Sunday school. When I worked with young people as a youth pastor, their parent, most of the parents that were in the middle, the church parent people, they wanted their kids to go just so far spiritually. They kind of wanted them to be right here. I don't want them doing drugs, and I don't want them shooting people, and I don't want them being immoral, and I don't want that. But don't get them so spiritual where they want to go to Bible college. Whoa, that's like, whoa, that's like over the top. Now I'm out with my kid and shopping and they're passing out tricks. Whoa, that's embarrassing. You see, we want a level of sacrifice. What did Jesus do for us? I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? Wholehearted faith not only goes, but it's willing to give. Now, people say, you know, an offering plate comes along, I give God a dollar. I done pretty good. We, there are two illustrations. I'm not going to take too much time, but there are two illustrations by widows in the word of God that really help us when it comes to this matter of sacrifice. The first one that will come to mind is found in Mark 12. You're familiar with it. Uh, and I'll, I'll just summarize it, and I'll go to 1 Kings. Let's go to 1 Kings 17. In Mark 12, Jesus is watching. He's watching as people give. And you know the story, the widow gives the mites. And Jesus stops the disciples and says, well, you see that lady right there? She gave more than everybody. Why? Because she gave all that she had. Interesting, two widows. In 1 Kings chapter 17... The man of God, Elijah, uh, there's a drought because he said, hey, it's not going to rain until I tell you. He shows up at this widow's house in verse 10 
of 1 Kings 17. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. I don't have anything, Elijah. The last little bit that I have, I'm going to fix something for my son and I, and then it's done, it's out. We're going to die because of this famine. And Elijah says, verse 13, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Here's a widow woman that said, you know what, this is all I have. I'm going to make one more cake for me and my son. And Elijah says, hey, make that cake, but give it to me first. Whoa, there's faith. But I tell you this, when you do it, God's going to take care of you. Do you know God always takes care of us? And God asks us to give. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. God will always provide for us. God always meets our needs. And sometimes we hold on to something that God says, if you give it, if you give it. We were at one of the um, restaurants with one of the boys, and I said to one of them, they needed a little bit of money, and I said, hey, it's okay. It's a long story, but anyway, I said, give me that five in your wallet. There was a little hesitancy at first. I had a ten. And I said, give me that five, and I could tell there was a little hesitancy until he looked over, and, oh, yeah, here's, here's my five. Give me that <laughs> ten. And you know, God doesn't show us the ten. And sometimes God says, give me that five. God always, always takes care of us. And when I look at Abraham and I look at what he's willing to give, I think that is wholehearted. That's everything. But I want you to see thirdly, and this will take us to one of my favorite verses in this section of Scripture. I want you to see thirdly that wholehearted faith not only goes and gives, but wholehearted faith governs. Verse 5 of Genesis 22, he says this to his young men. He says this to the servants, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He does not say, you stay here, me and the lad are going up, and I'll be back by myself. Abraham believed, verse 7, God delivers, verse 8 he says, Isaac asks a logical question, where in the world is the burnt offering? I see the wood, I see the fire. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Hebrews, verse 19, 11, 19, Abraham believed that God had the power to raise Isaac from the dead. 
What caused Isaac to be willing to make that sacrifice? He was a man that was walking by faith, believing God. You see, when I walk by faith, it will govern how I act. It will govern how I live. It will govern what I do. And Abraham said to his servants, me and the lad are gone, and me and the lad are coming back. That's faith right there. That's believing God beyond. His action was governed by his faith. Faith lives in the center of God's will, knowing that God will come through. By the way, we see a beautiful picture of Christ. God gave his only son. Beautiful picture of Christ as you look at this story of of Isaac. Um, Look at verse number 12, Genesis 22. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. Abraham showed complete submission to the will of God. Galatians 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the what? By the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the life that we live in the flesh, we should live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. God came through as God always does. And God will come through for you and for me. I found one of the greatest challenges in Christian people. When you, when you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit, right? You got saved, God moved in. The Apostle Paul said this at his salvation, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, salvation and surrender, it's awesome if they come at the same time. But sometimes it doesn't. And I found one of the biggest challenges, not just in young people, in Christian people as a whole, is to get them to come to a point where they say this, I surrender all. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Take my lips. Take my silver and my gold. You see, We're willing, I surrender half. Can I tell you something? Those of you that have children in your home, they're God's children. And as parents, we have to be willing to say, I surrender my children. If you want to take all of them and send them to the mission field, I surrender I've known young people that got called to go into the ministry and didn't go in the ministry because dad and mom convinced them that they could serve God in the ministry and run the family business at the same time. I surrender all. Abraham was there. And he passed the test. Sometimes we hold on to things. And God has to say, hey, I'm going to take that thing. I'm going to ask you for it. Because God wants us to let it go. And God wants us to give him everything. Listen, God can be 
trusted. And Abraham was a human being just like you and me. But Abraham said, there is nothing at all that I'm holding back. Sometimes, this was my case when I was a teenager. I'll do whatever you want me to do, <laughs> but don't put me in the ministry. I can't talk in front of people, not me. Now, for me, that's what God wanted. It may not be what God wants for you, but you need to be surrendered to it. People say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn money. I don't know if I'm going to go in the ministry. Can I tell you something? If churches don't produce missionaries and pastors, where are they going to come from? They're not going to come from public colleges. They're going to come from churches that preach and teach the word of God. From parents that say, God, here's my child. Take and use them. Wholehearted faith. Is there anything you are holding on to? We're going to have prayer. And I'm going to have a few minutes of silence. And I want you to pray this. God, if there's something I'm holding on to, would you bring it to mind? And that's what we need to say to God, I surrender all. Would you bow with me for prayer? Lord, I ask now that you would work in this time. Spirit of God, as we ask, Lord, if there's something I'm holding on to, show it to me. Speak to hearts now, Lord. And I ask that this morning we would say, God, I don't know how you're going to work it all out. But I'm going to surrender all to you. If Abraham was willing to surrender a prized son that you promised you'd bless through and you deliver, Lord, you'll deliver me as well. I want to walk by faith, believing you no matter what. So I'm surrendering all. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder this morning, did the Spirit of God take truth and show you a need in your life? You see, Pastor, would you pray for me? God's working in my heart. Can I see your hand across the auditorium? Pastor, work in me. God's working in me. Pray for me. God's working in my heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Put your hand down. Is there something you're not willing to do for God? Say, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand then, but I'm going to raise it now. God's working in my heart. I'm going to raise it now. Include me in that prayer. Would you include me? Anybody else? Is there somebody here this morning? Say, Pastor, I don't know for sure. My sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? Would you stand with me, please, with your heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm going to ask the pianist to play I Surrender All. God's working. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's do business with God. Let's do business with God. Many hands were raised. God's working in my heart. What has God said, that's it, that you need to say, I surrender. I give you my whole heart. Maybe you need to say, God, I give you my children. God, I give you my schedule. God, I give you my pocketbook. God, I give you whatever you want. I surrender all. As the piano continues to play, let's do business with God. Who does God want you to talk to? 
Lord, I know I need to talk to them about the Lord. I'm surrendering to do it. Lord, I know I need to give a gospel track. I'm surrendering to do it. Lord, I know I need to be on outreach. I'm surrendering to do it. Lord, I know I need to tithe. I'm surrendering to do it. Lord, I know I need to be baptized. Whatever the need is. The piano continues to play. Here's what I want us to do in closing with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want us to sing that chorus. God knows our heart. Let's sing it out to him this morning. I surrender all. Sing it on the chorus. I surrender all. I surrender all. I think the Lord was pleased as he looked down upon